This week on Geek Explained, I'm joined by Zach McCrary of the Comics That We Love podcast for a deep dive into the life and times of the man they call Chasm. He's been known by many names, but the one constant is that he always loses. But why? Find out here as we discuss the curious case of Ben Riley. Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is dedicated to my man, my boy, the Scarlet Spider, the sensational Spider-Man, the villainous chasm, Ben Benjamin Riley. He is quite possibly my favorite spider person, and I am going to be doing a deep dive on the history of Ben Riley leading up to the latest installment of his saga, the... Spider-Man, X-Men, Dark Web that just wrapped up earlier this month, and I'm not alone this time around. I'm going to be joined by Zach McCrary of the Comics That We Love podcast in one of a two-part crossover event. Uh, I guested last week, as of this recording, on Zach's podcast, The Comics That We Love, talking all about Dark Web, so you can go from this episode directly into that, and you'll get the full and complete story of Ben Riley. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, and we continue on with the weekly review of the final season of The Flash. But for now, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I and Zach McCrary of the Comics That We Love podcast discuss the curious case of Ben Riley. My name is Ben Riley. I don't think I even want to hear your story. Ben Riley. He has lived, he has died, he has lived again. Once an echo, now a specter, Ben Riley is gone, and where he once was, there is only a chasm. Ben Riley is a character who has gotten the shit end of the stick for a very long time now, and uh, I wanted to take time this week to talk about my boy, the perennial Charlie Brown of the Marvel Universe, Benjamin Ben Benny Boy Riley, uh, going through his history, talking about what his story is, because if you weren't aware, recently a big event crossing over with Spider-Man and X-Men wrapped up called Dark Web, where we got the next chapter in Ben Riley consistently being pushed down a hill before he tries to push the rock right back up Um, more on that later and we will be talking about that in a bit but to speak on the life and times of ben riley the scarlet spider the sensational spider-man i am joined by zach mccrary of the comics that we love podcast zach welcome to the show hey thank you for having me eric i'm thrilled to be here on geek explained 
I'm a fan of what you do. I like listening to your show. So it's cool to eventually be a narcissist and listen to myself on your show. (laughs) Well, right back at you, man. I'm a big fan of what you do on comics that we love. Uh, For our listeners, if you would like, can you give us a breakdown on your show? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the comics that we love is a show that I do where each week I have a different guest on to talk about a comic book storyline or a graphic novel that either made them a fan of comics or solidified their love of sequential art and it it we've done all kinds of stuff with uh indie books recently we did the jim zub book wayward uh yeah. i've got an upcoming spawn episode uh we just did dark web we we mm-hmm. covered dark web this past week on my show batman uh the long Halloween all over the place. What I like to do is uh, we take the book and we dissect it. I talk about the the author and the artists and give more of what they've done. And, and then we, we deep dive into the story and the context and subtext and how the art works with the story, et cetera, et cetera. And really just break it apart and figure out like, why is this book so great? Why is this book heralded? Hell yeah. And Zach's show, if you like what I do, you're going to love what Zach does on his show. Uh, it's all the all the stuff that I do talking about comics with actual intelligence and actual good things to say <laughs> behind it. So go subscribe to the comics that we love. It is a wonderful show. Zach puts a lot of work into it and it shows. Production value is fantastic. The conversations are amazing. A uh, couple of recent highlights. My first episode that I listened to was the Winter Soldier episode because mm. I am a basic bitch for Captain America. <laughs> it's a great, great episode. And he also recently, for 90s babies like myself, did a two-parter covering DC versus Marvel and Amalgam Comics. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Go check out the show. It is amazing. And I will be plugging the episode that we did on Dark Web later, so stay tuned for that. But Ben Riley, oh Zach, let's talk about some Ben Riley. Let's talk about the constantly misused, though still, still going up to kick that football again, Ben Riley. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. how were you introduced to Ben Riley as a character? What was the first memory that you have with that character? You know, uh, my introduction to Ben Riley came at a tiny comic book convention in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Fun, oh, a uh, fun little side fact. You know how Spider-Man recently blew up an area near York, Pennsylvania? I live in York, Pennsylvania. He oh, blew no. up my town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, tiny comic book convention in Harrisburg, PA. My dad took me to when I was a kid and just going through bins, looking at comics and happened upon the Scarlet Spider and thought, this guy looks I can, yeah, I can curse on here, right? Please uh, this feel guy free. Looks fucking cool, like, <laughs> like the the hoodie, and like it was just such a different costume, and the outside web, you know, the 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 web shooters and stuff. And I was like, I want to know more about this guy. So I just picked up a couple random issues, and it just sprouted from there. I just became super obsessed with this character, and eventually, when I was older and really could appreciate the stories and characters, and went back and read a lot of this stuff again. My appreciation grew past just the the general um, wow, cool costume, because I, I think we talked on my show and you mentioned that, you know, that Ben was your Spider-Man during your 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 early yes, years was. growing up. And I was the same way. Like when I was when I was religiously reading Spider-Man every issue as every issue was dropping, he was Spider-Man. 
And so for me, like that really put him in a special spot in my heart. Even though I love Peter Parker, I will always choose Ben Riley. Oh yeah, there's there's nothing nothing against Peter Benjamin Parker, but I like to chop off the Peter part and just talk about Benjamin personally. I'm a I'm a I'm a Ben stan until I die. But Amen. Riley Hollicks yeah. in the house. Riley Holl that's right. We're the Riley Hollicks. <laughs> Shout out to the Riley Hollicks. That's our tag team name, man. Uh, we that got is it. our tag team name. Uh, I also I mean, if you couldn't already tell, uh, Zach and I bonded over our mutual love of comic books and pro wrestling. So oh, if yeah. you get any any wrestling references, I, I apologize. I know that my <laughs> show is pretty nearly 60% comics, 40% wrestling at this point. But we might we might tip the scale to 50-50 this time around. I ain't hating it. I ain't hating it either. But... With Ben Riley, just a quick couple uh, footnotes for him. Ben Riley, for those of you who aren't aware of the best Spider-Man, uh, mm -hmm. first debuted in Amazing Spider-Man number 149 way back in October of 1975 in the original Clone Saga, which was a story that involved... We're, we're going to get into it. But <laughs> he returned. He was supposed to be just a one-off character. He was a clone of Peter Parker. And then he returned in Web of Spider-Man number 114. Years later, almost 20 years later, in May of 1994, they decided to bring this guy back. And as Zach said, he was the 90s Spidey. He was the guy who wore the sleeveless hoodie with the, uh, with the sleeves cut off because he was 90s and modern and cool and extreme <laughs> and even though he has kind of, he's come and gone he's died multiple times he's left kind of this legacy as the clone like if anyone talks about clones anyone talks about clones in comics ben riley is usually the first person that comes to mind and there's something i guess in a uh in a bittersweet kind of way, there's a consolation prize there where if you think of Spider-Man, there's multiple people who could be Spider-Man, but if you think about the clone, it's always Ben Riley. Take always. Take that what you will, but it's, it's, it's about the little victories, especially when it comes to Ben Riley. <laughs> you got to take it. Uh, it's, it's a shame though, because in some ways, uh, a lot of people, when they hear Ben Riley, there's this very negative connotation because yes. of the fact that, the clone saga nowadays is a, is a lot more maligned, but mm -hmm. it was selling folks. I mean, the oh, books yeah. were selling. That's why it <laughs> kept happening. So, I mean, somebody liked it, including me. So, you know, it's, but it sucks because the character, he, uh, he's so, so good and, and there's so much going on with him and there's so much depth, but because of the fact that people look back poorly on the clone saga, he gets kind of brushed under the rug. Thankfully, we have people like uh, our current Spider-Man scribe to keep him alive. He's actually he's been getting a lot of love recently, which love has been real fantastic. I I love to see Ben Riley succeed even when he fails, <laughs> and boy does he fail a lot. But he's been getting a lot of love both in comics and video games. The Scarlet Spider costume will always pop up in any video game that features Spider-Man, and then. We recently found out that he's going to be a major player in Across the Spider-Verse, part one. Mm -hmm. uh, he's right there in the in the trailer. We know he's going to be there. Smack dab, his, his beautiful mug, masked and all, uh, is on the poster. So Ben's gotten several chances. 
So I'm hoping that uh, to to ape a uh, a pro wrestling term, he ends up being somebody who is like a Daniel Bryan who eventually gets his due later on instead of a Dolph Ziggler who is perennially the it should have been me kind of Spider-Man. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. As long as he's not getting X Pac heat. That's, oh. that's all man. <laughs> no, 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 no. He will never have at least with me, he'll never have X Pac heat. Amen. <laughs> I think a, a lot of the resurgence is because of people in our kind of age bracket now being at the helm of a lot of creative projects. Yes, whereas for, sure. for a long time, you know, uh, I think it was the the older readers during that 90s period who were getting tired of it whereas us as kids it's a fond memory kind of yeah. like nowadays you see uh like the people that are in their like late teens 20s who love the prequel star wars films and those are their star wars movies yeah. whereas we were jaded or at least some of us were <laughs> jaded star wars kids who were like these suck you know <laughs> well and it's funny because like you're absolutely right the generational gap between you know comics has always been fascinating to me because there there are all different kinds of perspectives and i absolutely believe that if you have been reading comics for any amount of time your opinion and your perspective is valid mm-hmm. however it is an undeniable fact that in the 90s ben riley was the hottest ticket as you mentioned the Clone Saga was dragged on for so long because they were selling so well mm-hmm. to the point that everyone was like, we got to do a Clone Saga. We got to do something that's like getting people, getting butts in seats. We got to like do big old company, you know, uh, character shifting events and things. Age of Apocalypse, Death of Superman. We got all of those. The 90s was Event City. Oh, 100%. And yeah, and Ben Riley was at the heart of it. So let's let's dive into Ben. Let's dive into his history and talk a little bit about him because he has one of the most fascinating and convoluted stories in all of comics. Not just Marvel, all of comics. All of comics. So we kick things off with the Clone Saga. Not that one. It starts way back in the 1970s with... One, Jerry Conway. Jerry Conway, underrated Spider-Man writer. 100%. Who helmed lots of iconic Spider-Man stories. One of which being the death of Gwen Stacy. The thing that continues to rip my heart out anytime someone brings it up. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gwen fan and a Ben fan. So I am used to losing and used to having my heart broken. But... This whole thing started off, I think, appropriately with the death of Gwen Stacy, which was a huge deal. A lot of people, you know, you you talk to some comic historians and they'll be like, that was the death of the Silver Age. And a lot of things kind of coalesced in that time to make it such an iconic story to the point that it's been replicated in uh, comics, video games, films. And Jerry Conway was dealing with a lot. At this point, a lot of threats, a lot of hate mail, and Stan Lee, ever the, I don't want to call him a shyster, but ever the showman, (laughs) we'll say that, uh, made a big show out of, I would never kill Gwen Stacy, it would (laughs) never cross my mind, even though there are accounts of him absolutely okaying it. Hey, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jerry, kill her, nobody's gonna care. 
There we go. It's exactly. <laughs> and Jerry, so... I told you not to do that. What are you doing? <laughs> and so Stan goes to Jerry and he was like, look, I don't like that people are coming to me and saying, why did you kill Gwen? So you got to bring her back. You got to bring her back. And Jerry, being the genius writer that he was, said, okay, yeah, I'll bring her back, Stan. You got it, buddy. Which introduces the famous story that brought Gwen Stacy back as a clone. This involved the character of Miles Warren, a.k.a. the Jackal, who is obsessed with not just clones, not just convoluted storytelling, but of course, Gwen Stacy. It's literally the only thing Miles Warren and I have in common. <laughs> and... Not green fur? You know, I shaved that all off last year, and I've been trying to make sure I'm keeping up with my hygiene. It's a good idea. It's hot in California. It's hot in California. I mean, not right now. It's actually, it's it's weirdly cold in Los Angeles right now. It's very strange. I mean, it's 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 not Pennsylvania cold, <laughs> but but we it's, it's been a little cold recently. But uh, yeah, and that story introduced us not to just the clone of Gwen Stacy, but also the clone of Peter Parker. Now, this story, and I love this, Jerry Conway decided as kind of not just a, okay, I'm doing what Stan says, but also as kind of a shot at Stan, he titled the story specifically as a sensationalized Stan Lee title, <laughs> If I Kill Me, Will I Die? I love That's that shit. That's a great title. I love it's that. It's so yeah. good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love Stan Lee, but I also love when other people take subtle shots at Stan Lee. Yes! Like, a, like, the, like the showman character from Mr. Miracle that Jack yes. Kirby created that is literally just Stan Lee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, I want to say it's Funky Flashman. That's it, Funky Flashman, He's, yep. Yeah, at any time that Stan Lee is just brought into a story, it's hilarious. <laughs> because he's never brought in under like a complimentary light. <laughs> Especially in the olden days. Like nowadays, yeah. that's all you'll get. But back then when, you know, he was hit or miss with some people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got some interesting stand stuff. Oh, boy, did he just. But so by the end of that story, the clone of Spider-Man seemingly dies. And we are left with the. And I love this. Jerry decided to Jerry, like we're on first name basis. Uh, Conway basically decided I am going to make this ending a touch. Just, 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 just a little bit pliable, just a little bit vague that we mm -hmm. can maybe play around with this later on. I have no plans to play with this, but future writers can deal with this. Which brings us to the Clone Saga, that one. And years later, like I said, almost 20 years to the day. If you don't mind, uh, I would say no, something please. about that original story. The, yes! Something oh, that I really on. love about it is the fact that uh, the, the big flub that Jackal makes by creating this clone of Spider-Man is not considering the fact that he has cloned Spider-Man and that <laughs> eventually he will make the right call and make the right decision, which is why ultimately, because he's Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. He's a direct clone of a, one of the most genuine human beings. And so I love that swerve of eventually him realizing like, Oh, I'm doing the wrong thing. I should be doing the right thing and helping, uh, you know, calm the situation and fix things and kind of ultimately sacrificing himself, but not really, you know? 
that I, I, I love that about that story. Absolutely. And it's so like, it speaks to, cause the Jackal's the worst. Miles Warren is just, he's, he's the worst. He's the worst. And him having all the brains, but none of the common sense to realize that, that it's like, oh man, maybe he might do the right thing. Who knows? I guess I'm just going to gamble with it is just so systemic of, of Miles Warren as a character. And so yeah. we get to the, uh, the, the clone saga, the one that everybody knows in the nineties where we find out that the clone did not die. This clone did not die in that event. And he went off and traveled the world. And by the world, I mean the contiguous 48 us states where he <laughs> wandered trying to find a life for, of his own. And we get like little shots of this and supplemental stories this is during the period where he meets one Janine Godby. Janine, Janine, um, Janine's a great character as well, who also gets kind of the shit end of the stick due to her association with Ben Riley. Quite often. It's unfortunate yeah. because she's also a great character. One of many redheads in comics that consistently kind of get bad things happen to them. Ain't that the truth? But they meet, they fall in love, and then Janine possibly dies. Ben doesn't know if she's alive or dead, but he assumes that she's dead, goes off, returns to New York, and decides, I am going to take this, and I love this, he takes this Halloween costume, this Halloween Spider-Man costume, off the <laughs> rack, and becomes the Scarlet Spider. Yes. The coolest, and at the same time, dorkiest spider-man costume it walks a fine line and it walks it well um the scarlet spider costume is iconic right 100 one like like i said before that was what drew me to that character just immediately like oh man this looks so cool because i was a 90s kid <laughs> and absolutely it, 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 all my 90s fancies it had a hoodie it had pouches galore. Like, what else could you ask for mm -hmm. in a and 90s superhero? The missing sleeves, and it was a little tattered, so that mm -hmm. it had that cool, like, you know, Ryu Street Fighter <laughs> look. Yes, the Ryu Street Fighter, the uh, the punk rock Nirvana look, where mm -hmm. everything had to be frayed and torn and extreme. Extreme. That is the word. That is the word of the 90s. If yes. like, it was Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, you would scream every time someone said extreme. <laughs> yeah. He was he was rocking the 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 Jeff Hardy aesthetic. He was the <laughs> Jeff Hardy of Marvel Comics. <laughs> totally. Actually, that's not a bad comparison. No, he is a charismatic enigma, and he also is constantly his worst enemy. Yeah. Oh yeah, we might yeah. have to dive into that at some point. But cutting back to Ben Riley, they decided to do this weird thing, right? Where they were like, "We are going to throw the ambiguity." the ambiguity of the ending of that original clone saga and make it front and center and pose the question, is Ben the real Peter Parker? And is Peter Parker actually the clone? Wild choice. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was that era where they were trying to just spice things up and try yes. something different with Spider-Man to, to get interest back on the book. And so their idea was, what if, what if we just replace him? What if we bring in a new, like a brand new Spider-Man instead? 
you know, in, instead of making Peter more interesting, let's just get rid of him and bring someone cool and young and hip in. Easy. It's the easy. It just makes sense. It it's just the makes easiest sense. thing to do. Yeah. I, I read, Um, I, I actually did an episode about Ben a, a few months back on my show. And one of the things that I read about was that the writers and, and like Marvel felt like they had backed themselves into a corner with Peter because they had basically aged him up given him a marriage and a mortgage and and made him just not as accessible to the average reader as they wanted him to be and they thought what can we do and that's then Ben Riley happened which is hilarious when you think about it because now like the the mindset for a lot of readers i i would say the the demographic the main demographic of comic books has shifted at oh, this point for sure where it's a lot of people in our age bracket, a little bit younger, a little bit older. And now everybody is just like, why is Peter not married? Why is, does he not have <laughs> kids? Why does he not have a mortgage in the suburbs? What is he doing with his life? And so it's funny to think about like the, the difference in how that perspective has shifted when it comes to, I guess, the majority of comic book fans. Yeah, it, it is funny how that works, because really only in America, nowhere else in the world, but only in America for a long time, comic books were just for little kids. Yeah. And and that has slowly started to fade away as like the nerd chic of it all has come into the zeitgeist, oh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of things that I like about us being in kind of a golden age of comic book media, but I do at times long for the simplicity of you know th these these are comics you like comics you like characters read the comic books and that was a, and the 90s were absolutely that time the the comics were doing very well yeah for a time for a period the the early to mid 90s for marvel was very oh, good yeah. for them that back uh, after the big speculator uh, boom oh yeah and then the bubble bursting was Ooh. woof but before we got there they did do that switcheroo, and we got my personal favorite adjective Spider-Man, the sensational Spider-Man. This costume is my favorite Spider-Man costume. It is gorgeous. Everything like, about it. It's so good. It's so I good. I love the giant spider on the front. Mm -hmm. uh, I love like the dark blue and the way that it cut like the, the, the spider webbing, the red cuts into a V down to, you know, down to his legs, uh, the, the silver, the silver web shooters on the outside. Yes. Like I love that they kept that everything about that costume rules. I love it. It's so good. Like I, I always, and I've I've been shouting this since 2018. I hope that they have that costume in Spider-Man 2 when it comes out Ooh. this year. Like that it's like the only two big costumes that were missing for me in that first PS4 game was that in the superior costume. If we get oh, those yeah, two that costumes wasn't there either. It wasn't. For and what, the superior and, costume was kind of an homage to the sensational costume. Um, an homage to that and then the uh, I think it was the what was it the Alex Ross costume oh, yeah. that he was trying to make for the movie but yeah those two costumes aces great shit and ben riley will always have the slickest spider-man costume um but during this time we got to see him deal with stuff like spider carnage which is i mean what most people associate that costume with unfortunately 
yeah, yeah. I did love the whole web of carnage storyline and and uh, that whole thing. That was a that was a fun story. I enjoyed that. It's it was basically Ben's version of what Peter went through with the the black symbiote with the venom symbiote in a way. Exactly. In a way. Yeah, but but it was it was remixed as mm-hmm. most things are in comics at one point or another. And I think it it worked well and having it be instead of this, you know, the, the symbiote that would bond with him and then we would see what would happen with the boom and popularity for Venom as the lethal protector. They mm-hmm. decided, "No, let's have this story with the serial killer symbiote. That'll be fun." You know, Carnage was pretty hot at that point too, you know. It wasn't <laughs> Carn- just. Yeah. Maximum Carnage, all of that. Oh man. Maximum Carnage loved that story. But yeah, the, what I what I loved about the run with Ben as uh as the main Spider-Man was that we got a couple different times where they were they were it was almost like they were giving Ben his own versions of classic Peter stuff like yeah. the spider carnage but also uh like the, the Dr. Octopus 2 or Lady Octopus who was the daughter of Seward Trainer but the student of Otto Octavius yes. and he got his own uh, Dr. Octopus basically you know yeah. was, I thought that was fun seeing Ben's versions of things Absolutely. And they had him encounter stories that also like he got to call all of his own, the Jessica Carradine of it all. Oh, yeah. The daughter of the man who killed Peter's parents or Peter's Uncle Ben. And in essence, Ben's Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And not only would DC later do this with the uh, the. Oh, I can't remember. Her Joe name. Chill. Oh, wait. The it, it was the uh, the, the daughter of. um of russo for nightwing whatever her name is um they they literally did this story in i believe it was batman black mirror where they took the the man who killed dick's parents and his daughter came to town and all of a sudden fiery romance oh wow they decided to do it first in marvel in the 90s with jessica carradine (laughs) and this it's just I love that story because it's basically Jessica going, Spider-Man ruined my life by killing my dad. And Ben going, oh, I'm (laughs) Spider-Man. Yikes. And and it's it's a rare instance where they literally just had a character kind of piece out. She's just like, once she finds out that it's Ben, she's just like, oh, well. Bye. uh, Okay, I understand, but I'm leaving. Yeah. And we have not seen her since. She's gone. Just yeah. walked out the door, walked out the comic, walked out of the universe. It so was very, somewhere. very realistic for a, for an on you know like a relationship ending. Like you just never see that person again. Just never see them again. <laughs> that's that's something that I every so often they'll bring a character back in the comics and it's like we haven't seen this person since such and such. And I'm like I'm waiting for that day. Jessica Carradine's gonna come back in a big way. <laughs> she she's coming back in the Zeb Wells run. I can feel it. He seems to he seems to have a soft spot for Ben, so maybe maybe this is the time for her to make a comeback. Yeah, soft 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 spot for Ben, soft spot for Spidey's history. I mean, bringing mm-hmm. back the Hobgoblins. Oh yeah. There's, there there's a lot. There's a lot and apparently we're going to find out what Peter did next month, which I'm sure you already know living so close to ground zero. I watched it happen. Yeah, Jesus. it was awful. It was, we'll, a, we'll, it was a tragic we'll to, day. We'll have to cover that in another episode. Him, his his man on the ground recounting of what Peter did. I'm currently writing my memoir about it. 
Ooh, nice. It's the nice. centerpiece of most the story of my life. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Make sure you send me that PDF once you're done with that. Oh, you got it. But Ben was also the Spider-Man during one of the biggest events in comic book history, DC versus Marvel. He was the Spider-Man at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people either remember that or know that. And he faced down with Connor Kent Superboy, the other most 90s character. <laughs> and clone. <laughs> and clone! That's right! <laughs> and so Spidey and Superboy got to uh, got to participate in some fisticuffs during that, and then later got merged in the Amalgam universe as Spider-Boy. Love Spider-Boy. Spider-Boy I love Spider-Boy. The leather jacket, the ridiculous costume. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Everyone's like, oh, I love Dark Claw. It's like, nah, man. It's about Spider-Boy. Spider-Boy was fun. I do love me some Dark Claw, but Spider-Boy. Uh, fun thing, because like you said, at the top of the show, I just did episodes on Marvel versus DC and Amalgam. Yes. And something interesting that I noticed going back, and uh, one of the guys that did the show with me, he had never read this before. So he had yeah. lots of questions because he didn't know anything about Ben Riley, And... If you if you read that again, when they when they do the whole crossover and the worlds smash together and Ben goes to get a job at the Daily Planet. Yes. yes. He's got brown hair suddenly and is like, my name's Ben, but you can call me Peter Parker. <laughs> I am convinced that uh, the DC team was not aware of Ben. They drew <laughs> Peter and they just had to like fix it with dialogue and be like, oh, well, he's just he's just going to go by Peter Parker here. You know, like I, I'm convinced that that's what happened, that, that there was a, a loss, a lack of communication between Marvel and DC. I thought it was funny. The comic book version of we'll fix it in post. They're Pretty just much. like, yeah, we'll just write, a, write away that. Yeah, it was just a, it was like two word bubbles like, oh, well, my name's Ben, but you can call me Peter. And the fact that he, if I remember correctly, he went to went to the Daily Planet and he's like, I want to be mm-hmm. like a photographer here. And I just. Oh, people talk all the time about like what it would be like to have characters cross over into stuff like that. And just the merging of the Daily Planet and Daily Bugle bullpens would just be just it would sing for me. It's it's, <laughs> it's a lifelong dream. It was. Yeah. Oh, man. I love I love that Ben's hitting on Lois, not knowing yes! that she's with not knowing she's with Clark. It's That's so great good. stuff. I, and my favorite, one of my favorite moments from that is Ben meeting the Joker for the first time yeah. and the Joker recognizing Spider-Man from a previous crossover yeah. with Batman, but Ben doesn't know who this is. And so because he doesn't he react. Spider-Man at the yeah. Time. He's just like, Hey man, where am I? You know, just reacting <laughs> real calm. <laughs> and Joker's God. like, Ooh, you've gone to a new tailor. <laughs> I love the God, whole thing. It's th- that, that event. I mean, I, they have been teasing for a couple years now that we're slowly going to be heading towards that again. And I don't know. We'll 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 have to see when it happens. But I'm hoping for more stuff like that. That I would love another crossover. I don't know that I believe that God King Mickey would allow it to happen. Definitely again. not. Definitely yeah. not. If 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 uh, if Super Kami Guru Mickey Mouse would <laughs> did not have like complete control over everything and everyone that was involved. I I don't know that they would allow that, but who knows? We'll I see. would love it, though. I would totally love it. Because you're right. There have been little rumblings, and it's just been by, like, the writers and artists in various yeah. books in DC and Marvel have just kind of, like, sprinkled little things here and there. Donny Cates loves doing DC nods in all of his books. No, I mean, he wrote a book called Crossover. If he could have yep. pulled Marvel and DC guys directly, he absolutely would have. 
100%. So following all of this, we also get the return of Janine, who it's revealed like, hey, she didn't die, she's alive, but hey, she's also killed people. And she kind of needs to face justice for that. So she ends up being inspired by Ben to do the right thing. She turns herself into the police. And that's kind of the end of Janine for now. But again, like you were saying, Janine is also someone who gets kicked down a lot. The whole, she killed her father for doing some pretty awful, pretty awful things things to her. Bad stuff. It's like, I totally get why you kind of killed that guy. But man, I, I, I don't, I, I don't promote murder, but there are certain instances where it's like, I'll turn away from this for a second. You just yeah, do what like, you got to do. It's like, uh, I, I get it. I, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm going to walk over here. <laughs> I don't want to know anything. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to hear about it. You just do what you need to do and meet up with me at the coffee bean later. We'll That's figure right. this out. But uh, <laughs> following this, we did find out that, of course, Ben is actually the clone and this was all a several different layers of ridiculous planning scheming and manipulating by one Norman Osborne. Damn it Norman. Damn it Norman. Always involved. Always involved. And that's why when when he shows up during uh, during Dark Web, I know we're skipping ahead here, and just beats the holy hell out of Norman Osborn, I'm like, you know what? I know he's supposed to be the villain in this. I get it. I get I, it, man. I it, it was kind. It was like cathartic. It was like therapeutic yeah. for me as a Ben Riley guy yes! to finally see Ben get a little back on Norman Osborn. It's like you get what's yours, my dude. You get it. Unfortunately, in this instance, uh, after Norman is revealed to be the villain behind the whole thing, redonning his Green Goblin persona, Ben is seemingly killed. And that's kind of where he stayed for a while. He would make uh, sporadic appearances. He popped up in the big old Spider-Verse event where he was Spider-Man. He was in Mm -hmm. his costume and everything. And he was part of the Scarlet Spiders book alongside Kane and forever in my heart, ultimate Jessica drew. Um, Oh, I love that. I love that ultimate Jessica drew. She is the best. She is just, (laughs) if, if listener, you, you know, well from our book club, our season two of ultimate Spider-Man, the obsession that we had for ultimate Jessica drew. She needs to come back. We're hoping fingers crossed. She'll find her way back to, uh, to mainstream comics someday. But what I loved in this little, it, I believe it was a two-issue mini that tied into the main Spider-Verse book, is that they bring these Scarlet Spiders together. They're like, the Scarlet Spiders, together, they're going to Loom World. They're going to stop the Inheritors from cloning themselves. Oh, by the way, one of them's going to die. And I'm like, it's Ben. <laughs> it's Ben. <laughs> you Don't, just know it's coming. You know it's coming, because it's Ben Riley. And... <laughs> And what I do love, because I reread it for this, was there's this great uh, there's this great narration of the story where it's like Ben Riley, and it and we get a look into Ben's world where he finds out, oh my god, Peter was the clone. I defeated Norman Osborn. I am Spider-Man, and everything is just going right as rain for Ben Riley. And his whole mantra is like, as long as you're the good guy and you're fighting for good, good things will happen. 
And I'm mm-hmm. like, you sweet summer child. Yeah. <laughs> I oh was thinking that God. exact phrase. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, honey. It's it's bizarro, Ben, is basically what it is. Yeah. It's like it's that idealized world where Ben is treated right as a person and as a character. And yeah, it's 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 kind of bittersweet to know that there is a Ben out there who's like living the life, but also that he just kind of expects things to go well. He's like, well, I'm a good person. So, you know, karma and such. Yeah, he believes in that. And it's just like, bless your heart. Bless your heart, <laughs> young Ben Riley. But of course, by the end of this story, he's like, he's he's fighting with, a, I think it's Genix on the collapsing inheritor cloning lab. And he just thinks to himself, maybe I'll get out of this too. Aww. And there's, and it's just, it's heartbreaking because Aww. by the end of it, we see his mask just like by itself, just kind of billowing in the wind. And I'm like, you couldn't just bring him back and let him go back to his world. You had to bring him back to kill him. Every time. Even even a different world's Ben Riley has to <laughs> die before our eyes. Even a different Ben Riley. Ben Riley cannot escape the jaws of death. I swear to God, they're going to kill him in Across the Spider-Verse. Probably. They're going to kill him in that movie. If one of them is going to die in that movie, it will probably be Ben Riley. And if they do, I am going to eat a shoe. I will do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Because on the podcast, I, I, on the podcast, this that'll be our first video podcast <laughs> where I go through and I eat a shoe. I'm going to eat the the Jordan one. I'm going to eat the Chicago Jordan. Oh, man. Just through tears, shouting about Ben Riley as I cut through and eat that leather. <laughs> but uh, he did pop up in the Spider-Verse. He died again. And that was kind of his thing. He would pop up sporadically. He would die. These were all alternate universe bends, but the nerd in me and the 90s kid in me always yearned for the main Ben, our Ben, to come back. And I remember very distinctly in the early 2010s thinking to myself, I just want Ben back. What I wasn't aware of was miles away at Marvel headquarters, a monkey's paw curled one (laughs) finger. Which brings us to the clone conspiracy. Oh, yes. Dead, Dead no, no more. more. <laughs> that was the uh, the log line where we saw a new jackal in a beautiful maroon suit with this Anubis mask. And we mentioned this on uh, on Zach's podcast. I had no idea. And I immediately, maybe it was just like me just hankering so hard for it, especially after the fake out during Kane Scarlet Spider with Craven yes. dressed as Ben Riley. But I was like, oh shit, that's Ben. Please let that be Ben. It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> and it wasn't until he pulled the mask off and he said, hey, it's me, Ben Riley, that I was like, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> he's back. The Marvel gods have finally blessed me, and I didn't realize what they had actually done. They Ain't put my the boy truth. through more trauma. <laughs> so much trauma. Because as it was revealed, Ben was not just brought back. He was brought back 28 times. Ugh. He lived and died. He was brought back many, many times by the Jackal, who would reconstitute him and... 
trying to get him back to be a perfectly stable clone anytime he would start to deteriorate he's like up scrap it and ben would die the only thing is he remembered dying every single time oh man that's i remember reading that and when that all of that came out just Again, as a Ben Riley fan, being devastated, like, oh, man, this guy, this guy has literally been to the brink. Like, imagine, imagine, imagine dying once and coming back and remembering it. But imagine dying at that point, like 27 times and coming back and remembering each and every fiery death, because I think that's what he would do. I think he was like torching him in his in his uh, cell, basically. It would, it would drive anyone insane. And that is exactly what happened to Ben, who decided, I am going to take this technology, oust Miles Warren, bye, and I am going to make reanimates. Now, reanimates were basically clones that were installed with the memories of the person who died up until the moment of their death. Mm-hmm. So you could say that Ben Riley was rocking the Krakoan... Uh, resurrection protocols Ooh. long before long before Jonathan Hickman decided to ape that for, that's an interesting point I mean it's pretty much what it was um, the, the clones were less stable and they were designated as clones but with the continuation of these people's lives it's essentially the same thing so for all of you who are loving this current run of X-Men in this current era thank Ben Riley. <laughs> that's right praise be to ben riley for giving praise us krakoa <laughs> thank you the the ben giveth and the ben can taketh away he can at any point ben riley you know it's shocking i i'm surprised that they never brought that up during dark web considering it was a spider-man and X-Men yeah. crossover that's yeah that's that never came up once you know it, it's it was an interesting thing because I felt anyway, maybe you felt maybe you felt differently, but I still felt like Ben was trying to do a good thing, like in his warped mind because of everything he'd been through. And and he was he was very mentally unstable. But in that instability, he thought he was doing a good thing, because remember the first the first time Peter notices what's going on with what did they call it? New gen or new you? Yeah, new you, I think. Yeah. And the first time he realizes it is when. Uh, a little kid nearly dies, but then new you comes in and fixes the kid. Now the kid is in perfect shape again. And and, yep. and Peter's like, why did my spider sense go off? Like something's wrong here. Yeah. And you find out that that kid didn't make it. And, and it was just a clone. a clone. Yeah. But, but to Ben, it was like, well, but it's the same memories. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a service. Like now yeah. people can survive. And it, I'm convinced that in his warped mind, he was still trying to do good. I think he genuinely, I think that's genuinely how it started, for sure. Yeah. Eventually, you know, we saw how it went off the rails, as it often does with Ben's stories. Yeah, down, but, he went downhill. <laughs> yeah, but I think it is, you know, it does speak to the idea that Ben, for all of the faults and all of the defeats that he suffered, Ben doesn't see himself, at least up to this point, Ben doesn't see himself as a clone. He sees himself right. as a person. He happens to have the same memories as Peter, but he tries as hard as he can to be his own person. And to that point, new you is not creating clones. It's creating second chances. 
And right. we could, I mean, we we are tentatively the heads of the the new you uh press uh press council but put that aside in our personal biases for a second and just think (laughs) about how good it is to give people second chances isn't that great i mean look look at what it did for madeline Pryor. yeah she's back to being the the queen of limbo yeah everybody deserves a second chance Maybe not everybody, but most Maybe people deserve a second chance. Yeah, most people, but not like, I don't know, Mr. Sinister or Hitler. Leave them dead. Wait, you... Sinister's never dead. Yeah, Sinister is, I mean, with all the sentences, Sinister stuff going on right now, he's going to live forever. Pretty much. But uh, yeah, so at the conclusion of this, Ben seemingly dies again, though in reality, he escapes and he decides where do lost souls go to try and rebuild their lives? Las Vegas! <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada is where he ends up. And this is where we get that costume. Oh. The oh. most, it, it might be the most controversial fashion choice that Ben has ever made, which is saying something as a 90s character. That costume with the mouth. Oh, oh, oh God, I hated that mouth. I was, that was the, I was so excited to get a new Scarlet Spider comic and Peter David, I'm, I believe was the I writer. He's like, yeah. yes, I'm, I am 100% in on this. It's Ben getting a book. Oh God, what is he wearing? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? And kind of hearkening back to, you know, his origins with the Scarlet Spider costume, he pulls this off a cosplayer. Which yeah. is hilarious to me. <laughs> he stole it from a cosplayer. And it shows. But it sure does. No, no, uh, no, no disrespect to that cosplayer or cosplayers in general. I cosplay every now and then. But it's uh it's not good. It's not great. And there's a reason that they got rid of it very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And he went back to his original Scarlet Spider costume, but he uh has some misadventures in Vegas. He encounters death. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the only person that death loves more than Thanos is Ben Riley, <laughs> because she's like, you know what? I've seen you so many times. I like that little tush of yours. Let's <laughs> let's let's stay in touch, kiddo. And I thought that was so much fun. I loved the back and forth between the two of them. It makes 100 yeah. percent sense. Ben Riley has died more than any character in the entire Marvel Universe. So it makes sense that death would have kind of a thing for him or be at least curious about him interested yeah. you know she's like i keep seeing you come on through and then you leave again and i don't know what <laughs> your what your deal is most people only just come through the station once <laughs> but uh yeah. he also there's this great moment too where he gets essentially this like sophie's choice of like hey he meets death at the crossroads and there's this little girl who is uh at the threat of dying and she's like you can choose either i can send you back or I can send her back. You get your shot. But if I send you back, the next time you die, that's it. You don't mm-hmm. get this again. And so he ultimately decides, you know what? I've lived enough lives. Send her back. And this girl gets revived. But death goes, you know what? I was just kidding. Here's your punch card. But literally, <laughs> seriously, next time you go, you're done. And so he he gets to come back to life. He participates in the Spider-Geddon uh, event, 
and I I loved her little caveat too of because that this whole time during that whole Peter David run, he's got the awful clone scars yes. on his face. But she removes them, but she tells him, like, if you do bad things, they'll come back. Basically, like, that's your caveat. Like, I, I cleaned you up, but if you mess up, the scars are back. They're like, I am going to Mass Effect 3 you, where the more <laughs> renegade options you choose, the scarier you become. I don't want to talk about Mass Effect 3. I was full renegade, and I regret it every day. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> it was the most depressing video game experience <laughs> of my life. Yeah, I, I, can, I can make specific renegade choices, but I can't. I, I did a full Renegade run through Mass Effect 1, and I'm like, never again. Never again. <laughs> I will not put myself through this. <laughs> it's too depressing. It gets worse. But, oh, that's a, that's a whole other topic. I'm not going to do podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating to see Ben be involved in this stuff. Um, he also meets Conan, the Barbarian, at one point. Yeah, I... I learned that in the lead up to this, I've never read that Serpent War or Serpent King thing. I want to read that just because. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's exactly as ridiculous as Conan the Barbarian meets Spider-Man sounds. Yeah. But it's it's a fun story. And Ben would kind of pop around into other people's books. He popped up in the uh, Iron Man, the most recent uh, Cantwell Iron Man run, mm, where yeah. he alongside this ragtag group, which included Frogman. <laughs> the best frog man, whoever frog manned, uh, going up against Korvac, a god. <laughs> yeah, you know, Kor- Korvac versus Frogman. That's the bout everybody wants to see. Literally the entire time, Ben's like, what am I doing here, guys? <laughs> like, what are we? That's a god. What are we doing here? And I just, I love it. But at an indeterminate point in time, he runs into the Beyond Corporation, who decide, hey, you want to be Spider-Man and not just Spider-Man, Disney's Spider-Man. <laughs> and I, to this day, I, to this day, believe that the Beyond Corporation is a stand-in for Disney. That, that is why. created their Spider-Man. They're like, we are going to craft our Spider-Man. He's technologically advanced. He's got a team behind him. He's got press. He's got, he is the corporately sponsored Spider-Man. And we're going to shunt off this other Spider-Man, who may or may not be owned by Sony, into mm. another world. And that you can, we're clearing you off the board for our Spider-Man. Interesting theory. That's an allegory I have been sticking to for years. Wow. And it's something that eventually I would love to do like a full deep dive on that. Because I was in full like conspiracy theory mode you got the red like, yarn all over yes your i've walls. got the red yarn all over my room i'm like they're gonna kill him they're gonna kill him and ben riley's gonna be spider-man and this is the spider-man that we're gonna get he's gonna be the spider-man for disney and tom holland's spider-man is gonna be somewhere else because they don't own him because they're gonna shunt him off to the the spunk you know sony's spider <laughs> <The> sp- universe <laughs> thing <laughs> the spider-man universe of marvel character the sony yep, spider-man universe of marvel characters or whatever <laughs> it's so dumb it's but, really dumb yeah, yeah so, I, I was so excited to get that run on spider-man beyond and, man just getting to see ben as spider-man again felt so good in my heart just getting like him being able to fully embrace that side of himself again yeah. and yeah it was so much fun until it wasn't until it wasn't <laughs> until it wasn't 
taken advantage of by Maxine Danger, who has just the coolest name, um, the coolest look, but she is a despicable human being. She's an awful, awful human. But in Amazing Spider-Man 75, which I thought is, and I didn't realize this until I was doing research for this, is hilarious because he dies in Spider-Man 75 in the 90s in the original Clone Saga. Yeah. Oh, really cool correlation. I did not. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that either until I was doing research for this. So he died originally in the 90s in Spider-Man 75, and they brought him back in Amazing Spider-Man 75 to be Spider-Man again. So he went from Spider-Man to Spider-Man. That's too cool. It's really Phoenix cool. Phoenix rises from the ashes before not the being bad brought down by by nets and harpoons. There's so many nets and harpoons. But we get to see him reunited with Janine. We get to see him have people who believe in him. And we get to see some really haunting imagery as he starts to lose his mind. Hmm. Um, We find out that they are using Janine as a bargaining chip to keep him in place. And that they only chose him because they think he is mentally unstable and easy to manipulate. Which is just, it's heartbreaking because we all know, as Ben, as Riley Hollicks, he is. He is. It's so sad because, like, it's so promising when he is, like, at the forefront of things. Just like when he was Sensational Spider-Man, he participates yeah. in events. He's the Spider-Man in Devil's Reign. He, yeah, he literally is connection. He, or, no, he is, he is Spider-Man. He is connected to everything at that he, point. He's the Spider-Man in Death of Doctor Strange, an event yeah. that is super underrated, and you should go back and read if you have not, <laughs> listener, because it was great. Uh, it's it's crazy that he shows up and is Spider-Man during big events, during big street-level events, during, like, cosmic, line-wide events. He, they, 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 the writing shows that he can hang. Like, he's he not hang. just a clone. He can hang with the big dogs. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, he just, again... Making that allude that uh, that allegory, Jeff Hardy, he is that main event caliber player. He can be a world champion if he doesn't he get it his champion. own way. <laughs> Just give him the ball, and yeah. then make sure that ball doesn't let him get behind the wheel of a car. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. You mentioned it on my show, and I one hundred percent agree with you. Uh, you said that the thing about Ben Riley as a character is that. When he invo- when he is involved in something, he throws himself at it one hundred percent, whether or not that is to his own detriment. Yes, and that is what always happens. And that's something that I've that I've always loved about the character, and something that I've always really has always really resonated with me as a person. It's just like this guy. He's like he's he's the guy who you show up and you're like, hey, look, I need you to get in the car with me. I can't tell you what we're doing. You can never ask me about it later. And he's like, all right, cool. Are we using your car or mine? Like, what yeah, are we? I trust you, man. I trust You're my you. friend. Let's do this. <laughs> and then you drive the car off a cliff. And that's Ben Riley every single time. Every time. But so we get to see that the Beyond Corporation is manipulating his memories, removing them and altering them as they see fit to make him more pliable. Uh, Peter, after suffering a debilitating almost career-ending injury comes back and he realizes hey beyond corporations up to some shit right around the time that the memory altering that the beyond corporation is doing wipes away the lesson of with great power comes great responsibility from ben 
this hurts me just talking about it. Like this, it like does. Th- that point in Spider-Man Beyond feels the same as the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones to Oof. me. Like it never gets easier. I've read it a couple times now, and it just never gets easier. <laughs> yeah, they they are going to be releasing. I saw a uh, Spider-Man Beyond omnibus later this year, which I'm Ooh. really excited to pick up um, because I'm excited to get hurt again. But <laughs> I, it is, it's heartbreaking in that moment. Uh, and I remember reading that issue and how hype inducing it was when, you know, Queen Goblin is there with Janine and Mary Jane and he's like, not my problem. And I take away Janine. Sorry, Mary Jane. And everyone's like, what? What just happened? Yeah. Uh, all, I mean, all of the good memories, all of the good memories are wiped out of this dude to the point where he is basically... Like, the only beacon of light that he has left is Janine. But otherwise, he is more or less like a sociopath. <laughs> you know, he he because his his whole thing was Janine's like, shouldn't we get Mary Jane? And he's just like, Peter will save her. It'll be fine. Yep. Not my yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane when you think about it. It makes sense when you remove all of the all of the Peter Parker stuff and you just look at just Ben's life, I think anybody would be a sociopath at that point. Yeah, you know, when your whole life is just death and pain and sadness and loss. Trauma on trauma on trauma. Yep, just making a big old trauma sandwich. And that's all Ben Riley is without the good parts of, of his life as Peter Parker or what he believed as Peter Parker. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking because this is a character who has suffered through a lot and has decided now I am going to do something about it. Unfortunately, with the framing and the timing of everything, doing something about it means robbing Peter of his mind. So he tries to steal or he tries to get Peter to put on the metal helmet. Give me your memories because they belong to both of us. Um, they have this climactic fight and then you mentioned it the most heartbreaking moment the beyond corporation hq is flooding with this goo that rewrites matter and and all manner of stuff ben is laying on the ground and he says why would anyone help me why would i believe that this would go well yeah, Peter's like, "Come on, Ben, we gotta go." And he's and he's just like, "It's okay, Peter. I'm I'm already gone." He's like, yeah. "Why would I ever expect anyone to help me?" It's, it's, and then he gets just covered uh, in the goo, and he <sighs> later emerges from that goo with Janine and becomes Chasm, which brings us to Dark Web, and what comes next for Ben Riley? have to go on over to the comics that we love podcast because we cover crossover crossover event uh because last week we talked about it we did a deep dive on the event talked about the whole thing talked about our mutual love for ben riley um and talked about where the event succeeded where we would like ben hopefully to maybe go after this we'll see but if you want full coverage on that that would be the place to go yeah. Uh, and it because... was really fun talking about the juxtaposition of Maddie Pryor, yes. the, the Goblin Queen, and Ben Riley. Because up until this event, neither of us had ever considered how similar 
their stories are. Exactly. Like we had never, and again, we'll get into further depth on that episode. So go sure. check that out. But like, it's, it's crazy. And a winning combination of putting two clones who need something and are constantly prevented from getting that something to actually say, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go after what I want. Yeah. And being and, an echo chamber for each other. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So go on over to that podcast, check out that episode. We had a ton of fun. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a great time talking about Ben Riley. I could do it all day. Oh, I, my friends are tired of it. They know that like, they know me as the Ben Riley guy and they're all just so tired of it that I think I've made some of them hate Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what? I get it at this point. We we have we've been shouting at you about how good Ben Riley is for about an hour here, so we're gonna start to wrap things up here. Um, we we could honestly go on about Ben Riley for days, but we will we will save you from that. And instead, <laughs> as we're wrapping up here, I'm gonna give you some recommended reading. I'm gonna say we're gonna stop talking about Ben Riley, and I want you to read about Ben Riley. So here's a couple books that I think are worth checking out. Some books that I think. Uh, if you're a modern reader and you don't want to dive back into the insanity of 90s comics, <laughs> you can go to check out for some Ben Riley stuff. Uh, the one that I really want to highlight, Ben Riley Spider-Man, miniseries from last year by J.M.D. Matias and David Baldion. Uh, this takes place during the time when Ben is the sensational Spider-Man and deals with his trauma, deals with his past. He has just become Spider-Man at this point. And it's a story about Ben deciding to get help and that speaks to me that speaks to i'm sure so many people who have felt like they are dealing with their trauma and dealing with their mental health alone it is a great book that is about you facing your fears and learning to trust in people and yourself wonderful book classic spider-man great art great writing james dematias i mean he was the guy writing it back then. I love the fact that they brought him back to do a Ben book. That yes, was fun. He was the guy and he's been getting a resurgence. They've been asking him to do more books recently, which I love. I love that. Uh, DVTS rocks. So anything that he touches is gold. And then obviously beyond Spider-Man beyond uh, by check this out. Mur this murderer's row of comic <laughs> greats. Uh, Zeb Wells, current writer of the Spider-Man going on right now. Patrick Gleason, Kelly Thompson, Sarah Pichelli, Pichelli Cinderella, Cody Ziegler, mm -hmm. Michael Dowling, Ivan Fiorelli, Saladin Ahmed, Carlos Gomez, Jed McKay, Jorge Fornes, Paco Medina. Too many good people on these on this story. Uh, it's a tragic rise and fall not unlike the Shakespearean uh, tragic figures of old. I love that story as much as it rips my heart out. You do get to see Ben at the height of his power as Disney Spider-Man. And you also <laughs> get to see his fall, which is just, it's a, it's a great, great juxtaposition, great duality of man story, duality of Spider-Man. And those are two books that I absolutely think if you are in, a Ben Riley fan. If you're still on the fence about Ben Riley, I think those two stories will really get you on the side of Ben Riley. Uh, Zach, do you have any Ben Riley stories that you would like to recommend for our listeners? I do. I have two. And uh, first of all, I totally agree with you that, uh, that beyond story will, will it'll get you on team Riley. Hell I yeah. fully, I fully believe that. So the first one we, we had mentioned it earlier was the web of carnage storyline. Yes. I, 
I really enjoyed that. That's where we get spider carnage. Uh, and it, it took place over four issues. Uh, it was Amazing Spider-Man 410, Sensational Spider-Man number three, Spider-Man 67, and Spectacular Spider-Man 233. That's when they used to love to have eight different books, but all of them were one story. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. And, and uh, also, I really thoroughly enjoyed the Peter David run of Ben Riley Scarlet Spider from right after the the Dead No More clone conspiracy. I thought that that was a really fun book. I enjoyed the the redemption arc that uh, that happens through the course of that and seeing Ben trying to trying to move past everything and at the same time like his mind is still kind of unraveling and he's trying to figure that out while also trying to save that little girl and and there's just a lot going on in that story that I really enjoyed. Like we were saying before, I love the back and forth between him and death. So I highly suggest that one as well. Like if you're a, if you're a modern reader and you want to hop into a more modern style book to get a first glimpse of Ben, I don't think that one's a bad one. Agreed. Absolutely agree. And as, as you could tell listener, we had one story that takes place when he's Spider-Man and one story that takes place when he is, in modern times. So those are kind of his two big periods in the nineties mm-hmm. and in, you know, today, but overall, man, Ben Riley is just a character who I will always show up for. He's a character that I love, have loved for a very long time. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Ben Riley and maybe where you'd like to see him go next? Sure. Uh, again, to, to plead my case to the audience for why Ben Riley is great. And I, I've sa- I say it everywhere that I get the chance to, but for my money, Ben Riley is one of the most real characters in the Marvel universe in that everything that happens to Ben happens to Ben and he always has to deal with the consequences of it. There is yes. no return to status quo for Ben Riley. Ben Riley holds every bit of trauma, every like every good thing, every bad thing, well until every good thing was wiped away, but he holds <laughs> all of that. It's all in him and that is why he is for, he's formed the way that he has and I just think that that is an amazing journey that not a lot of characters get really. You know, like a lot of main guys got to go back to that status quo. But then you got guys like a Ben Riley or a Nightwing who really get to grow and change over the years. And you can see it. You can see it happening. And that's why I love Ben Riley. I want to see more Ben Riley as Chasm, as this villain. But at the same time, I still am of the mind that he's not really a villain. He has just had all of the good wiped from him. Like the good parts of him are gone. So it's not truly Ben. It is only part of Ben. It is the trauma of Ben. So what I hope is that we get a little bit more of this villain because I, I dig chasm and I, I dig the the character, but I do eventually want, I want a happy ending. Even if it's the last time I ever see Ben Riley, I want him and Janine to ride off into the sunset. And I don't want to ever see them again. If they get that happy ending, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. If they get that happy ending, I don't want to ever see them again. I just want that to be it. So that's yeah. what I would love to see. Absolutely agree. Um, ben Riley, I've I've talked about it before. I mean, he is constantly the kicked dog. He is the one who is always the one who draws the short end of the stick. And as you eloquently put, and I think that's so true, he is the character who has continuity. Everything that's happened to him, he has to react to, like all of us. And 
I would love for him to also get a happy ending. I also, I talked about this, uh, and you can go again, go over to comments that we love and listen to this episode. Um, I would love to see him branch out. I would love to see him go to the West Coast, not just because I'm on the West Coast and I love any stories <laughs> that bring characters to the West Coast, but I really, I think if you look at it on a macro level, right? Beyond what Beyond did was it took away essentially Ben's connection to Peter. So it they would have to do a lot. But if they wanted to work that around to now he can be his own character because he's not just a clone. Now he has his own Ooh. memories. Now he has his own personality, his own whatever. They can do that. Again, they would have to do a lot writing-wise to get the audience to buy into that. But if they did that, I think there's a lot there that you can play with about him becoming his own character. I want him and Janine to ride off into the sunset, whether they're uh, Ben and Janine, whether they're Spider-Man and Janine, whether they're Chasm and Hallow's Eve. I just (laughs) want them to, I want good things to happen for them. We saw, and again, Go over and talk about uh, Dark Web. Uh, we saw where they ended up. And hopefully we get to see more of them and we get to see happier days ahead for Ben and Janine. But thank you, Zach, for coming on the show. It's been wonderful having this uh, two-part crossover with you. Love chatting about Ben Riley, just chatting about comics with you. Um, <laughs> if our listeners want to follow up with you, uh, where can they find you? Awesome. And thank you for having me. This has been a ton of fun, ton of fun waxing poetic on Ben Riley. If you folks want more of me, there's plenty of me to be had because I have the comics that we love. We talked about that podcast before. Uh, it's a it's a passion show for me. I, I love doing it. I also have a a less work safe comics show called Comics and Beer, where me and a friend do kind of bar talk comic book style and we drink really good, delicious beers. So comics and beer is another great one. TFD Nerdcast is a show I do with a friend about nerd news and rumors. I'm all over. I I podcast too much. I podcast too (laughs) much. Uh, Also, you can follow me on Instagram. That's really the social media I use the most at the comics that we love. And that's really, that's the, I'm, I'm very accessible in those ways. So podcasting and Instagram, those are my, those are my jams. Hell yeah. And, li- and like I said, Zach's show is amazing. Go go subscribe to all of his shows. Uh, wonderful conversations like we just had and wonderful conversations with guests who are even better than I am. So Aww. go and check out his stuff. Um, and thank you so much. And hopefully Ben is, uh, ben is brighter days ahead of him. But I think we all know that Marvel is going to put the football in front of him just to pull it away one more time. Arg Flump. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. It is.
It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we're reviewing episode two of the final season of The Flash, entitled Hear No Evil. This is, uh, I, I personally think, kind of a step down from the first episode. I really liked how fun the first episode was, and this one, uh, though it does directly follow up with the events of the end of that episode, uh, this does feel like a weird, I don't know, I don't know, it feels off for some reason, but uh, I'm excited to chat about it. This episode puts the spotlight on Harley Rathaway, who we haven't seen in a little while. The Pied Piper has turned his life around. He owns a club called the Krakatoa Club, along with his boyfriend, uh, fiance, his partner. And it's really cool to see this character who, in the first few seasons, was kind of this, you know, he was a rogue, and he was kind of not a very good one. <laughs> that's that's unfair. Um, he, he was a character who... I think they had a lot of potential with and I think they saw that because later on they would turn him away from his villainous leanings and they ended up turning him into an ally for Team Flash and he continues with that here. Uh, however, he is being hunted down by the Fiddler and I was really excited <laughs> to see the Fiddler. Um, if I remember correctly, we did have, didn't we have the Fiddler on Stargirl? I'm gonna have to look this up. I'm gonna be looking this up in real time as we do this um but it's just i love kitschy dc villains like this and i i just yes we did have the fiddler okay so we had the fiddler um who was a different character in Stargirl. And this obviously is not the same Fiddler because, you know, Stargirl is done. But I ch and that still, that bums me out more than you can imagine. It bums me out. I miss Stargirl every single day. What a wonderful show. Uh, but this Fiddler is not that Fiddler. This Fiddler is, in fact, um, I don't remember her name, but she was fun. She was she had kind of this punk rocker aesthetic, which clashed with the Fiddler uh, power set, which was fun. And ultimately, we did find out that she was a another rogue collected and in service of Red Death. More on Red Death in a second. But the big crux of the episode the kind of the a plot was the emergence i guess of the third caitlin's frost snow sister who i incorrectly called crystal snow or whatever the hell i called her i saw that somewhere and apparently i was very wrong but she's going by um she went by just snow at the beginning and now she's keon um which is a cool name I dig it. Uh, it definitely sets her apart from Caitlyn and uh, Frost. I wonder if Keon like means like snow or ice or something in another language. If if you if you know, hit me up. Let me know. Let me know. I'd be interested. But uh, yeah, this episode was all about trying to figure out what to do with her because everyone's like, oh, we got to put her back in the machine so we can get Frost and Caitlyn back and. This was an awkward episode <laughs> in that regard. I think the uh, the Fiddler and the Hartley Rathaway stuff was more interesting to me personally than the 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 Keon stuff, if only because I knew that we were going to be with Keon for the long haul, and it just felt like um, what is his name, Mark? 
so I I think his name is Mark. Let me just I'm I need to be better about having these immediately available for me. Um he, he's, he's chill plane. He's yes, Mark. Um this guy sucks. I I'm sorry. He sucks. He sucks real bad. Um I've never really been in interested in that character in any of these previous seasons i'm pretty sure i skipped his episodes because i have to constantly be reminded of who this character is um he just he's no good he's i i get that he's trying they're trying to have him be like the wild card of the group and it just doesn't work for me he doesn't work uh, and that's nothing against his actor um He's doing a phenomenal job with what he's got, but it's just the character feels really stagnant and really lost and doesn't really serve a purpose to me. Um, but I did like that we did get to tell the story of Keon asserting her herself, it, asserting her identity, asserting herself as I am who I am now, and I am not willing to go back. She She has this really really nice monologue about like we don't you know when the leaves fall off the branch or so i'm paraphr i'm very badly paraphrasing uh when the leaves fall off the branch we look at them as beautiful but we don't try to replace the leaves that stayed on and i really liked that i really liked that a lot this character gets a lot of um has a lot of potential for what they can do. She's kind of a clean slate. She's kind of a blank slate for everybody. Um, I still think those blue highlights are awful, and I hope that they change them at some point in the season. Either just give her the blue hair or do something. Just give her the blue hair. What's At this point, what do you have to lose? You only have 13 episodes. Uh, <laughs> that's mean. Uh, but I, I was not as interested in that as I was in the uh, Pied Piper and Fiddler stuff. Um, they did end up, kind of crossing paths and it was cool to see Hartley and a version of Caitlin Snow together again since they had that whole um budding rivalry with each other earlier in the show but we came down to uh Pied Piper and Flash defeating Fiddler uh she gets whisked away by my boy Captain Boomerang even though he's the lesser Captain Boomerang because he's Owen Mercer it's fine uh they are continuing on with their collection of stuff and they were able to steal the Pied Pied Piper's gauntlets I'm assuming it was so that they could use the vibrational frequencies to get Red Death into uh into the prime earth I'm assuming he's an alternate uh, from another Earth, who knows? Who knows who he is? It's I know who he is in the comics, but we'll see. We'll see what this ends up being. But the Red Death looks great. He is officially on the Earth. His costume is in full glory. It is a one-to-one -one, uh, comparison bring over from the comics, which, again, I love. I love when they're able to do stuff like that. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see where they go from here. We do know that the Red Death is collecting some rogues. So let's see where that rogue storyline goes. They made sure to mention it. They're like two rogues in two weeks. That's weird. Um, so I'm hoping that we get more rogues, more twists on classic rogues, some new rogues, perhaps. I'm still, I'm pulling, I'm pulling for, uh, for Captain Cold. I know he's dead, but who knows? Who knows what they can do? 
they had another character who I'm not going to spoil if you haven't seen it, who is definitely dead showing up on the set of The Flash. So we'll see. We'll see. This is kind of not just the last run for The Flash, but also kind of for the Arrowverse. So I'm hoping that they pack it as much as they can for this. But that does it for the weekly review. I'm still interested. I'm still excited. I'm. It's still bittersweet. And I'm going to be with you folks for the next 12 weeks as we roll through the final season of The Flash. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop or comicsology or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And lots of contenders, but ultimately I picked Spider-Man number five, written by uh, Dan Slott with art by Mark Bagley. This book, okay, I have no idea from week to week what I'm going to get from this book, and this one was actually really, really cool, giving us an alternative take on what Peter Parker's life could have been like if he didn't get bitten by the spider. Uh, Spoiler alert, I like that life a lot and I kind of prefer it, so that's just how I feel about it, but who knows? Who knows what this tease is going to lead to? I enjoyed the issue. I thought it was really good. And also a quick shout out to Lazarus Planet Dark Fate. Just coming in clutch with some amazing stories. It was very close between these two. Um, but it also dropped this, I think it was the same day as we got the big announcement for We Are Legends, the big... Uh, uh, AAPI uh, initiative that's going to be kicking off in May. Asian characters in comic books, specifically in DC Comics. I am very, very excited. We got our introduction to uh, Xanthi, which I'm very excited about. I don't know if I said that correctly. If I said it incorrectly, please correct me. I want to say it correctly because I love that character. I love their whole shtick. I love that they're going to be in a book with Cass. Make sure you put Spirit World on your pull list for May. Uh, That's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I love that shit. So yeah, that's just me. But that's last week's books. This week, we've got a bunch of books to roll through. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve books for you to check out. So let's go ahead and dive straight into this. First things first, it's Superman, Space Age number three. This is written by Mark Russell with art by Mike Allred and uh, Laura Allred. And I, can I be honest, it has been so long since we got issue two. And I feel like this book I would have more hype for if the release was more consistent. I understand delays happen, um, but I don't remember when issue two came out. Um, Am I able to... I'm just going to look real quick. Issue two, Superman Space Age, came out back in September. Came out back in September of last year. And so I I just think it's, it's a shame because it is a really solid book. It's a really solid concept. And it's a really solid story. Great writing, phenomenal art. But it's just the delays have killed all hype for this book. And it's unfortunate. But I am excited to uh, check out the finale of this. And also, it's only three issues. Um, but I've loved both of the previous issues. And I'm excited to dig into this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Book three, The End is Nigh. 
As red skies reign, Superman does what he can to make the world a better place for as long as it continues to exist. But money is power in the greed-driven 80s, and villains like Lex Luthor seem poised to win in the end. Little do they know, there are bigger things to worry about, and the, only, and the hero they've grown to hate is their only hope against this crisis. Don't miss the riveting finale of the soon-to-be classic miniseries. So yeah, it's, again, I've talked about it before, how much I love the concept, it's Superman life story, um, all leading up to Crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s. I'm very excited, we'll just have to see how this all wraps up. Next up we have Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface number one. This is written by The Hive Mind, Jackson Lansing, and Colin Kelly with art by Zermanico, and I have been looking forward to this. I love Clayface as a Batman rogue. The Batman One Bad Day series has been phenomenal. I think we've only got one more after this, and I think that's Rachel Ghoul. Um, but it's been a great, great series. They announced the big collection with like a slipcase. That looks really cool. And if you haven't had the chance to read those books, that would probably be the best way to do it. But uh, I'm very excited, and especially because the hints that I got about this uh, it sounds like it's going to be right up my alley. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. No notes. All Basil Carlo ever wanted to be was an actor. No, one of the greatest actors there's ever been. However, his life went off course when he became the shape-shifting monster known as Clayface. After years of doing battle with Batman in Gotham City and distancing himself from his dream, Clayface goes out west to Los Angeles. Creating a new identity, he pursues his dream of acting only to find that Gotham City isn't the only place with an overwhelming sense of dread to it, and he might not have what it takes to make it in the City of Angels. So... He'll reshape the city to fit his needs in a deadly pursuit of stardom. Yeah, that's woof. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, that hits in all the right places. I'm very excited to pick this up. This is going to be one to look out for, for sure. Next up, we have She-Hulk number 10. This is written by Rainbow Roll with art by Takeshi Miyazawa. Um, I, 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 I love the She-Hulk book. It's really, really good. Now, I still don't know exactly what the direction is, but sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's okay with the book. Um, the last issue was uh, was kind of intense, so I'm excited to see where we go from here. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis. After the most, inten okay. After the most intense issue in She-Hulk history, it's time for the fallout. She-Hulk has experienced more trauma than most. Is this the straw, and is she the camel? Yeah, so we're going to see what we, you know, what the fallout is from that cliffhanger from last issue. It was a doozy, so I'm excited to see how she rolls with the punches here. Next up, we have Lazarus Planet Omega number one. Uh, this is written by Mark Wade and Jin Lun Yang with art by Philip Tan, Billy Tan, Mike Perkins, and Ricardo Federici. Um, I, I feel like Lazarus Planet just came and went. It just... Came and went. It was here and that was gone. Um, I do love all of the uh, variant covers. These look dope as hell. Um, but yeah, that's it for Lazarus Planet. And now we are in the uh, the new uh, era of DC, the dawn of DC, where we're going to see all of these characters that were either set up or progressed during Lazarus Planet let out into the wider DC universe. Um, let's go ahead and see what happens here. So let's dive into the synopsis. 
Neza and King Firebowl, Fate and Fury. The Devil Neza and his son are at war, with all of humanity caught in the middle. The Lazarus storms are intensifying worldwide, Earth's superheroes are on the ropes, and Batman is living on borrowed time. It's up to Zatanna, the Spectre, the Demon, Clarion, and the rest of DCU's magic users to join Damian Wayne and set things right. But to do that, they'll have to uncover Neza's final explosive secret. Plus, Dreamer has rescued Dr. Fate's helmet from destruction, but why does it keep glowing like that? The dawn of the DCU begins as the Lazarus Planet Saga crashes to a close. I'm always excited to see more Dreamer, so I am excited to see how this wraps up. Next up, we have Strange Academy Finals number four. This is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos, and I mean, it's Strange Academy. Like, what do you want from me? It's fantastic. Uh, it's been great. I'm loving how everyone is stealing themselves for this final confrontation because you know there's going to be a big Strange Academy Civil War that's going to end off this series. So we'll see what happens here. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The endgame has begun. Emily Bright has taken her steps, chosen her allies, and made her plans. It's time to take down Strange Academy. Can you blame her? Yeah. Honestly, kind of. To be honest, yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I think they ha they haven't succeeded in is really, for me personally as a reader, made me see the, um, what's it called? Really see the balance, see both sides to the conflict. I'm 100% with Strange Academy on this, but I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh, let's go ahead and move right on along to Batman Superman World's Finest number 12. Written by Mark Wade, Art by Emanuela Lupacino. I love her art. That's going to be very, very cool. And it looks like we're also getting uh, some... Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna get be getting some follow-up on one of the hints that we got earlier on in the book uh the cover is hilarious it says robin and supergirl on the date from hell we got a brief little exchange between them that hinted at the fact that they went on a date and it looks like we might be getting the story of that date here let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis scream of the chaos monkey the secret behind the Supergirl-Robin feud revealed. On a day not too long ago, a meeting between the Boy Wonder and the Girl of Steel began sweetly, became awkward, and ended so catastrophically, horrifically, jaw-droppingly, car-crashingly, disastrously, that among the Superman and Batman families, it is now enshrined as the world's finest example of how not to team up. I love the shit out of that. I think that's an amazing synopsis. I can't... Ah! It's so good. This book is so good. It rules. Um, I'm very excited to pick this up and finally get the answers as to what the hell happened. Um, cannot wait to pick this book up. Strong week for Mark Wade. Uh, next up, we have Immoral X-Men number one. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Paco Medina. And this is... I guess where we're going to be getting some answers about what's going on with the Quiet Council during the Sins of Sinister. Uh, lots of stuff that's happened in the Sins of Sinister. Let's find out what's going on with the Quiet Council. Let's dive into the synopsis. Adored and respected. They said the mutants were humanity's future. 
It's 10 years later, and they were proven to be right. The X-Men exist in a world that adores and respects them, so why are they sworn to crush it? But while they do, Emma can take a few minutes out to crush Mr. Sinister. Yep, that's going to be fun. I am very excited to see Emma walk all over Sinister's crumpled body. Next up, we have Nightwing, number 101. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by C.S. Picot and Eduardo Ponsica, and also Travis Moore. So that's really fun. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? We got the new announcement that the Titans are going to be taking over for the Justice League. They are going to be the premier team going forward for now. And this book is going to involve them as well. So I don't know um, how they're going to balance that because they've also been a big part of the Nightwing book. But we'll see. Let's find out. Let's dive into the synopsis. Rise of the Underworld slash Nightwing at the Circus. After the events of Dark Crisis, Superman has a talk with Nightwing, letting him know that now is Dick's time to lead. So Nightwing gathers a group of friends to be the premier league in the DC Universe and moves their base of operations to Bloodhaven. Meet the new Titans. Then, following the events of the Nightwing 2022 annual and the Superman and Nightwing crossover, Nightwing continues to mentor John Kent in ways that Dick learned from being trained by Batman, but in his own more encouraging way. I dig the crossover. I really do enjoy Nightwing and John's chemistry, Nightwing being more of a mentor to John. Uh, So I'm excited. I'm very excited to pick this book up. Cannot wait to see what they've got. Next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 20. This is written by Joe Kelly with art by Terry Dodson in part two of the two-part guest creative team where uh, they... Do you know Spider-Man and Black Cat go away for a weekend and all is not what it seems and they get attacked by ninjas? Uh, You know, who hasn't been there on a weekend getaway? Um, I'm very excited to pick this up. I think the first part was really fun and I'm excited to continue on that fun with this issue. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Someone tries to kill Spidey and Black Cat. You thought this would be easy for Peter? No. The special two-parter from superstar guests Joe Kelly and Terry Dodson concludes here. So this is the final stopgap before we find out what the hell Peter did. So even if you aren't enjoying the two-parter, we got to get through it just to get there. And if you are enjoying the two-parter, congrats! I'm excited! We're on the same team! Uh, Can't wait to pick this up. This is going to be a ton of fun. I can already tell. Next up, we have The Flash, number 793. This is written by Jeremy Adams with art by Roger Cruz. And One Minute War has been fantastic. I don't know what to tell you. It's been amazing. I have been absolutely loving One Minute War so far. Uh, If you haven't yet, go back in the archives. Check out the interview that I did with Jeremy Adams. We talked all about The Flash and One Minute War. It was very insightful especially now that I'm reading through the event, uh, is very, very cool. So I'm excited to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The One Minute War, Part 4, Thunder in Your Heart. After the deadly impact of the Fraction's arrival, the Flash family must come together and figure out what is going on and how to stop this speedster invasion. I mean... Pretty, they've been doing, that's what they've been doing the whole time. So I like that the synopses aren't spoiling things. That's really fun. I love this cover too with Wally, uh, Jesse, and Jay. 
possibly my three, uh, my my big three when it comes to the Flash family. I'm excited to pick this up. This is going to be great. Next up, we have a brand new number one. One of two brand new number ones. Stay tuned for the next one. Uh, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number one. This is written by Teeny Howard with art by Vasco Georgiev. I am very excited about this. I love Georgiev's art. I'm very, very into, uh, into their style. And... Teeny Howard is a rock star, has been crushing it ever since the beginning of the Krakoan age. So I'm very excited that Betsy is getting her big landmark flagship book. Uh, she's going to be flanked by, of course, Ascani as well as uh, Captain Avalon, which I'm excited about. And if you enjoy Might and Magic books, these are going to be the ones you want to pick up. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The Captain Comes Home. And she's got a whole new mission. With Otherworld settled, Braddock Manor restored, and her brother Captain Avalon at her side. You'd think things look pretty good for Betsy Braddock. Only turns out good old Britain doesn't want her back. No one wants a mutant menace carrying the shield of Captain Britain, and Betsy's made more than a few enemies along her way. Questless and countryless, Betsy must define a role for herself. A fresh take on a beloved character, don't miss the latest Teeny Howard extravaganza, and fan favorite artist Vasco Georgiev's Marvel debut. Very excited. This is going to be a great book. But you knew this was coming. The big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Superman number one. This is written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jamal Campbell. I have been waiting with bated breath to pick this up. This is a brand new era for the Man of Steel and his collective super family. And uh, I could not be happier to see this come around. Very excited to pick this up. Also, quick shout out to uh, the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. You just dropped an episode interviewing the creative team from this. Joshua and Jamal, wonderful episode. Uh, Brad and Lisa are incredible. They are they are goals for podcasting and in uh, in couples. They are couples goals. They are podcasting goals. They are podcasting couples goals. So go check out that episode. Very excited about this. Made me even more hyped to pick this book up, which I did not think was possible. But let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Chapter 1, Voices in Your Head. It's the dawn of DC! Superman has returned to Metropolis, and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter. As Clark Kent settles back into his life, iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel. But waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is... Supercore? What secret project has Lex given to Superman? A hero is only as good as their villains will be put to the test in this brand new oversized number one featuring comics' greatest superhero by DC Comics architect Joshua Williamson and award-winning superstar artist Jamal Campbell. Yeah, tells you everything you need to know. I am super hyped. Dawn of DC has a great slate going forward, and I'm very excited that this is leading the charge. But... That does it for this week's Comics Countdown. Lots of books to dig into. Uh, to recap, 
We have Superman, Space Age number three, Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface number one, She-Hulk number ten, Lazarus Planet Omega number one, Strange Academy Finals number four, Batman Superman World's Finest number twelve, Immoral X-Men number one, Nightwing 101, Amazing Spider-Man number twenty, The Flash number 793, Betsy Braddock Captain Britain number one, and Superman number one. We got Superman both closing and opening this week's comic book countdown. And uh, I'm really excited. It is a super week of comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. Raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast you can write literally whatever you want i will be forced to read every single word as long as you give me those five stars the sky's the limit on what you can write and you'll join the likes of our fantastic 14 including seafire nd joshua panels to pixels matt draper burrito man 88 doug from for every kind of geek don swanson that guy brian mouth dork dallas meeks amazing spider fan a lock and az sass jedi jesse 20 and ken 46 56 want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews and i cannot wait to hear yours if you want to be part of the geeksplain mailbag send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read it here on the wednesday show if you want to keep up to date with the podcast uh participate in polls that decide future episodes or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news and we all know there's a lot of them feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter for as long as twitter's around at geeksplained pod that's at geeksplained p-o-d uh Trying to be active on both things, and I've got a very special poll coming up, so make sure you uh, are following us so that you can participate in it. Also, every single Friday is the Geeksplain Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow Caped Crusaders, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Grant Morrison's Batman. This Friday, we are tackling Batman the Black Glove, a.k.a. Batman issues 667 through 675. This is the murder mystery whodunit that I have been waiting to dig into. Uh, I, alongside my good brothers Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are loving this Grant Morrison Batman run so far, and I'm very excited to share it with you. So make sure you show up with us. Gotham Fridays are a real thing, so make sure you be there or be square, not a circle. I want to say a huge thank you to Zach McCrary of the Comics That We Love podcast for coming on and discussing Ben Riley. Hope you learned a little bit. I know I sure did and I had a ton of fun chatting with him. Uh, his podcast is full of wonderful conversations with people who are either getting into comics for the first time or gushing about comics that they absolutely adore. So go over to Zach's uh, podcast, subscribe to him, uh, subscribe to all of his podcasts as you heard. He is a he's a man of many podcasts and many talents. So uh, kudos to Zach once again. Salute to you, sir. Thanks for coming on. You are welcome back anytime. But that wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we are getting mighty close to our five-year anniversary. So tune in next week as we continue the march on to that landmark achievement for the podcast 
Tune in next week, same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time. Thank you.